Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm Josh Delarosa. Thanks for joining us. Now, we realize that this online platform is sort of like a new front door for our churches. And we, we as a church, have begun meeting live and in person on Sunday mornings. Uh, so maybe you sort of bounce back and forth. But uh, you're watching this today, and, and maybe you're not yet ready to uh, come to our live gathering. And that could be for a variety of reasons, maybe health-related, uh, maybe not a connection yet to our church. Maybe you're just exploring our church community. And so this is a great way to learn about OCC. Uh, you'll be able to learn about our, our values and our heart and our mission. And this series has really been helping us express uh, who we are together. So we've got this series that we're in, and it's called Community. And that word community is really a combination of two words, the word common and unity. And so we are a community. We share some things together. And in this series so far, we've covered our common hope. We've covered our common mission, uh, our common strategy. And then today we're going to look at we have some common values. Now, values, common values, create a culture that can keep a group on mission. So we looked at our mission a few weeks ago. Values really are like those guiding core principles. We can sort of think of them like guardrails that keep us on track and keep us moving towards a destination. And so we have a set of values that we'll look at near the end of the message. But values are, are crucial in any organization. And after you've been a part of a group of people, or an organization for a season of time. Uh, it should be that you really would read their core values after having experienced life there and interacting there. Once you see a, a written formal set of core values, it should be that you would say, yep, that's what I experienced there. That's exactly what I felt there. That's what it was like interacting with that group of people. There's, those values actually accurately reflect uh, reality. For example... Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is a restaurant, and you know, you're know you likely familiar with Chick-fil-A. Their core values are customer first, personal excellence, continuous improvement, working together, and stewardship. Now, they make a really good chicken sandwich. You may not agree, but we love their chicken sandwich. I, I mean, it's really, really tasty. And when they first opened up in California, my wife and I, we, we would enjoy Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and then, but it hasn't really been a family thing because one of our kids actually has a nut allergy. And so it's, it's now just for me an occasional lunch spot to meet someone else. i got to make sure I wash my hands afterwards. But really good chicken sandwich. And, but I've been there enough through the years to sort of feel some of their values. You probably could identify some of those values that you saw listed. You might you know, have the itch to open one up. Like open up, become a franchise owner. I've talked to people who've said I, I, I might want to open one up, and I've, I know a guy that actually did that. But you can't just do that. You actually have to walk through a process of training. But also, major part of that is adopting the values and spreading the cultural values of Chick Fil A. Doesn't matter if you've got a successful business track record. To get anywhere in that organization would require that you reflect, that you buy in, and that you live out their values. That's the same everywhere. For example, Walt Disney. Walt Disney Company, their six values are these. Innovation, quality, community, storytelling, 
optimism and decency. Now, it's been a few years since I've been at Disneyland, but I can say, yep, that's, that's really what I've experienced while I visited their park. Now, you may have heard the saying, values are caught, not taught. You might detect values through experiences, uh, but for those values to actually become part of your own life and to integrate into you, to actually catch those values, you actually have to immerse yourself repeatedly into an environment. It's sort of like a virus that you catch. You don't get a virus unless you're close enough to someone who has a virus. It, it requires, viruses require close proximity. And for a church, you actually have to get close enough to people. You have to draw into people and get close enough to its people and its projects or their projects as a church in order to catch their values. Churches like any organization can state their values sort of on the wall. You might see uh, values listed on, on, a, on a wall like a poster. Uh, but then maybe they actually promote and live out a different set of values that aren't written anywhere, but those are in operation. Sometimes that's a problem. You see this distinction between their aspirational values, the things they aspire to be, what they've written about, what they train people on. But then you, state, you see this other real set of values. This is who they really are. This is what they really do. This is what it's really like there. Now, I've been listening to an interesting podcast recently about church culture. And uh, this podcast is examining some, some big church movements over the last 40 years. And one of the big issues that comes up is culture and values. What are the values? And churches could value any number of things. Like some churches could value tradition. I grew up in a church that did. They valued tradition. They valued the way things were, the way we've always done things, and that we don't change those things. That was a high value. Anytime someone would try to change a tradition, you would experience a lot of resistance and pushback from the congregation. Uh, some churches value cool, like being cool and, and fitting in. And so I've been to some churches where I know I'm not cool. I'm not sure I'm going to fit in here. Uh, some churches value growth, just like, you know, growth in number and size at all costs even. I, I remember as a pastor sitting in brainstorming meetings with groups of pastors who I start hearing the ideas that they're exploring and I, I would realize we're, we're operating from a different set of values here. For some people, this issue of growth at all costs is, is one of the highest values. Churches have to decide, is that is that how we're going to operate? Another value might be the value of fame. A church trying to become famous. A church trying to get really popular. Similar to cool, but the idea is that everyone watches our message. Everyone draws from us. Uh, that we make a name for ourselves. That and, and, and on and on. Or maybe one of the values at a church would be worship. That we would be known for worshiping God. Worshippers. What about the value of creativity? I know some churches that that have that value and that their people develop things that others use. Some churches value innovation and that they're always looking for something new. They're always trying to improve and innovate. And on and on. I could just give you more and more values that I've run across. But churches rally across all sorts of values uh, that form a culture, a way of, of, of relating from within. I remember wrestling through this issue when we first began back in 2007, and then when we actually were plan, planning to launch out in 2006, I was wrestling through what kind of culture would we want to form. And we, we had come from a church who had a very healthy 
uh, reproducing culture who learned it from a church who came from also a very healthy reproducing culture. But did you know that examples of churches and their values and their cultures can actually be found in the Bible? You actually can study and ask the question, is there a healthy culture there in this church or with this group of Christians or an unhealthy set of cultures and or a set of values in, in that particular church culture? So you've got good examples in the Bible and you've got some bad examples found in the Bible. And I want to start with a few of the bad examples. In the last book of the Bible, there's a scene where Jesus is found walking. He's seen walking in a vision uh, that was given to one of Jesus' followers named John. Uh, John has this vision, and Jesus is walking amongst the churches, and he's, he's, uh, he's got a message for the churches and the leaders of those churches. And for the most part, he's not very pleased with what he's finding amongst his churches. And what you realize from these, uh, these accounts from the letters in the Church of Revelation is that unhealthy cultures, they spread and they turn toxic. And so, in many cases, a warning needs to be issued to the church in a specific place, at least so that they would be aware of the unhealthy culture that they have, so that it wouldn't continue, because Jesus didn't want that to reproduce. And so, for example, here's just one of those evaluations. You can read about these. These are found in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. You've got these different descriptions. But let's look at the very last uh, church that Jesus uh, has a message for. Jesus comes across this church in a, a place called Laodicea. And this is uh, near Ephesus, which is in the middle of modern-day Turkey. And so the church in Laodicea probably began sometime uh, after the church in Ephesus. Likely a church planting team went from the church in Ephesus, major city that uh, Paul helped establish and get rooted uh, as a church. He spent a lot of time in the church of Ephesus. Paul likely trained whoever went out to plant this church in Laodicea. Well, at this point, Jesus is giving a very strong rebuke to this church. I'm just going to give you two verses from Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Jesus says this to that church, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Be one or the other. Be hot on fire or, or just be completely cold. So because you are lukewarm, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. (laughs) If you read on, you'd see that they were wrapped up in material wealth. You can read on verse 17, you can see what was at the heart of their culture, some of their values. And this group, they were wrapped up in money, wrapped up in riches and material wealth, and not very concerned that they were spiritually weak. They were, they were bankrupt spiritually. And so Jesus issues a huge call to them to repent, to turn away, to come back to him, to let go of the way they've been living, uh, to stop focusing on the things they've been focused on and get back to their relationship with Christ. Get, you know, the, he's, he's saying, turn up the heat. They, they were not on fire. They weren't, there wasn't really a flame lit there. It was, it was, Major, major concern for Jesus. Strong language. So he says, you make me sick, essentially. This culture, it, it reaped to him. The church was, it was full of people who apparently valued too much the things of this world. 
and not enough the things of eternity. And there was a conflict, in a sense, of what was going to be the norm. And so uh, they were just content with the way things were. It's just lukewarm. And I'd say that this is actually the same temptation that many of us here in America have. We could fall prey to this same issue as individuals or as a church or a group of churches where it's all about me. And we just sort of grow, we just want to be comfortable, we don't want to be concerned, we don't want to be bothered, it's, it's sort of about me. And so I'm not hot, I'm not cold, but I'm just sort of existing. I'm just sort of, uh, I'm just here, I'm just taking up a seat and I, I'm just doing my thing and, and I'm just content with the fact that I'm lukewarm. And this, or, this group certainly was not concerned about building God's eternal kingdom. That wasn't the fire that lit them. And so Jesus, he was just sick. And he said, I'm ready to vomit you out of my mouth. It's sort of like the, the imagery is really powerful. Sometimes you, you, you have a bowl of soup and it's just too hot. And you're like, ooh, ooh, I gotta let that, I, I can't even eat that. It's just, just you know, it's just, just on fire. Uh, some cold, sometimes soup is completely cold. You gotta throw it in the microwave. I think the worst thing for me though is lukewarm soup where you, you, you dip your spoon in the soup and it's just, you're hungry, you're ready to eat, you're expecting the right temp and it's just lukewarm and nasty. And you're just like, Ugh. and certain flavors when it's lukewarm, it's just downright nasty. And the imagery here is, is really powerful and it's telling of, of how of how Jesus feels. You see, when the church looks just like the world, there's a huge problem. This is an issue here of values that have formed a certain culture, a way of life, and it repulsed Jesus. And this is an example here of his righteous anger. This is strong language. In his, in his ministry, Jesus oftentimes, he would, he would address uh, the Pharisees, a legalistic group of, of Jews who, who were in love with themselves. They were in love with themselves and they were in love with their money. And it's interesting, the parallel between this language here to the church in Laodicea and what Jesus has to say uh, to a group of Pharisees, self-righteous religious people. And so take a look at Luke chapter 16. This is an example from Jesus' ministry. He's teaching at one point to his disciples, and here's what he's teaching to the disciples. Luke 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. And think about, have you tried to do this? Have you tried to serve God and then serve someone else or something else? No servant can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, you cannot serve both God and money. The Laodicean church was trying to do this. They were trying to pull that off. I'm going to serve God. I'm in the church and... I'm all about my wealth. I'm all about my riches. I'm living for myself. And Jesus says, you can't do that. You can't serve two masters. That's, you're, you're either going to serve your money, that's your master, or you're going to serve me. God's kingdom. Verse 14 says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening. Jesus is saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. The Pharisees, these religious leaders are leaning and they're listening and, and they hear him say it. They were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he told them, he turns and looks at the Pharisees in the eye. He says, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, who God, but God knows your hearts. 
For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Again, here, here's something you see in these verses. Values are either pleasing to God and acceptable to Him, or they are revolting. They're offensive to God. And organizations have a culture that is either sick or really healthy and life-giving. When, when something is, is sick, on the one hand, then we would use words to describe something that's sick, like toxic, it's smelly, it's repulsive. And sadly, a sick culture doesn't keep itself contained. No, it actually it grows, it spreads, it becomes contagious, and it works its way through everyone in that organization. Maybe you've worked or been a part of an organization that was, it was sick. And you realize, you know, it's not long before this sickness affects me. Before I become unhealthy myself. So on the one hand, you have this sick culture uh, that we have to guard against. And, and that grows out of values. One of these values, like people that would just build all of life around money, something that is temporal, something that is is of the world. We all need money. Money is, in the scripture, it's, it's, it's neutral. It's not good nor bad. It's something we need, we use. But, um, you know, but the love of money, the value, the love of money, I mean, this is high value stuff for a person. That's a real problem. It creates a sick culture. Now, on the other hand, when something is healthy, we might use words like, or images like, man, that is refreshing. I love being here. What a sweet aroma. What, are, what This invigorates me. This brings life to me. And that, actually, that health in a culture, it can actually spread and spread and spread and grow through attracting people to experience the life found within a healthy culture. And so values spread and develop culture. Now, I have another example. Here's Those are some negative examples, some bad examples. Look at this. The church in Philippi, uh, you actually get the sense that this is a very healthy culture. It wasn't a perfect culture, but fairly healthy. So Paul, one of the church leaders in the first century, he, he has this to say to this uh, the church in Philippi. It's modern-day Greece. Philippians 1, verse 3. Let's begin there. I give thanks, Paul writes, to my God for every remembrance of you. Paul he was a leader who found himself in prison in Rome, awaiting his trial, eventually his execution. He was standing trial because he was spreading the name of Jesus in, throughout the Roman Empire. Eventually found himself in trouble with local authorities, Jewish authorities. Finds himself eventually being sent to Rome. Verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. He's writing this from a Roman dungeon to this church. He's given the ability to write letters. And he's saying, I thank God for you. He's writing this to the whole church. So imagine you're receiving this, the, the church in Philippi, and you're, you're reading what Paul has written to you. He's, he's thankful for us. Uh, he has joy in his heart because of us. He's praying for us. So Paul describes these things. Verse 5, I'm sure of the, or verse 5, he's praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul loved this church. They were partners. You see that in the language here. He had this fond affection for this group. And he loved the fact that they continued to grow and that God wasn't done growing them. This was a teachable church. It was a healthy church. It was even 
a church that, because it was healthy, could reproduce. That's what healthy things end up doing is they'll reproduce. And look at the next verse. Verse 6 reads, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you, that's God, God started the work in them, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's not done working in you. I'm praying for you, and God's not through growing you. It's a healthy church already, and I'm I'm excited because because you're on this trajectory of growth, and God's not done. So he could say this because they were a generous church. The church in Philippi shared what they had with Paul when he was in prison. So Paul found himself in prison, and the churches that were planted, that he was a major part of planting and strengthening those churches, as they heard about Paul, who was uh, awaiting his trial, some churches stepped in and wanted to do something. This church actually sent um, a gift to Paul. And they, they made some risks in order to make that happen. And as Paul is doing that, this action that they took was like a sweet aroma to Paul, that they would send him a gift in prison. How often do you receive gifts? You know, a surprise gift in the mail. I mean, think about the way that that impacts you when you get a gift. Maybe not just for your birthday, but just a gift or a card or something where someone says, Hey, I wanted to send this to you. I was thinking of you. Well, Paul, he's praying for the church in Philippi, and they were thinking of Paul. And so there was this reciprocal relationship that you see of, of caring for one another. Paul, he's just describing this. and He has joy in his heart for them. And, and this was like a sweet aroma. That's what a healthy culture is like. It's sweet. You breathe it in, you go, ah, that's, that's good. I want, I want to be there longer. I want to stay in this place longer. And this sweet aroma uh, that this church actually spread, you know, this, this was lingering in Paul's mind. At the end of Paul's letter, he states this, chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, this is very, very end of Paul's letter. Paul writes, I have received everything in full, meaning I've, I've received your gift, and I have enough. I have an abundance. Thank you, in a sense. I'm fully supplied. Essentially, I've got what I need. Having received from Epaphroditus, that was the messenger that sent their gift, who, who uh, having received what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, I love the language here because it, it's this was a part of who they were. But their gift itself was like, it was part of that aroma that was lingering. That One of the values that the church in Philippi had with with Paul was generosity. They they just they held this value of generosity and sacrifice and it came all the way to Paul. That aroma had reached Paul in that Roman cell. Now imagine how smelly that cell must have been. I actually got to tour uh, the cell where, where Paul was held and, and it, it was dank, it was it was uh, moldy and I mean this is two thousand years later from when he was in that prison cell, but uh, you know, it, imagine this gift coming to Paul. And how that aroma could lift his spirit. And so this aroma was lingering in his thoughts and in his mind. So for a church, pleasing God and valuing what God values should be one of our aims. This, this should be a crucial aim. This was true of some of the churches in the New Testament. It was healthy. They were healthy culture. They rallied around the right values. And it was a sweet, refreshing aroma that would spread and attract people now, we as a church, Orange Crest Community Church, we want our values to actually re- reflect the heart of God. And we have a choice to make. Do we want our values to reflect the world around us 
the culture around us? Do we want to latch on to things that are going to be temporal and, and really just passing through generations and, and time? Or do we want to build around values that have eternal significance? So no, we actually want to reflect the heart of God, the ways of God. We want this sweet aroma that God would now use to draw others to want to know him and to experience his kingdom culture. And so let's look at the OCC values. These are the common values that we want people to catch here. Remember, values are caught, not taught. So we want people to come close enough to catch these values. The first one is this. It's life to life. We want people to experience real life change. And real life change and spiritual growth and perspective shifting actually happens best in the context of life-to-life relationships. you got to get to know people. You, you need to do life with people. Not everybody. There's too many of us to, to, to get to know everyone at OCC. But you need to get to know some people. If you want to experience the growth and perspective shift and change that you see in the Bible, then you, you come close to people. You share life with people, life-to-life. This is one of our values. This is one of the reasons why we encourage you to linger if you come on a live service, we'll encourage you to hang around, sip some coffee. That's why we offer coffee. It's not just so we can wake you up. It's so that you'll have a maybe show up a little early. And I'd invite you to come a little earlier. Don't just be rushing in, grab your coffee, and, and miss everyone in the lobby. Instead, show up a little earlier. Visit with people. Linger. Get to know others. Slow down as you're leaving to look around. Learn a name or two. Hang around. That's why we have name tags on Sundays when we gather. Again, we're promoting this value of life to life. Grab lunch afterwards. Get involved in a group. Uh, every time a group is offered, every round that they're offered, hop in. Share life with others. This was a mark of, of Paul's ministry in the New Testament. And here's one of the references to it. This is in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes this, We cared so much. For you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of our God, but our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. Now, I would say there's a bunch of people that could speak to this value of life to life. People that have have been a part of our congregation for years and have uh, got close enough to people to to experience spiritual growth in their own life uh, through that. And it's because this value of being a relational body. Uh, is extremely important through the through the stages and the passages of life. At every at every uh, turn of seasons in our life, if, if we're disconnected from people, uh, we miss the opportunity to really grow. Because whether you're going from high school into college, you're going to need some people that you can share life with that can help you in that passage way. Or whether you're moving from your college years into your career, you're going to need some people to help you walk through that passage way. And again, that comes life to life. Or maybe... Uh, if you're if you're in a relationship, you're like, wow, this this actually seems like I might get married. You're going to want to be in some relationships, life to life, close proximity to people uh, who, as the verse says there, Paul's saying, look, we share with you more, not only the gospel of God, we, we did share with you the gospel of God, but we shared our lives as well. You were so dear to us, Paul said. Now, this is just a part of, of how we see people growing. And with pressure and uh, the passage of time and seasons, whether it's the joys of, of, of new life or the pains of, of walking alongside someone, alongside someone who's grieving, uh, sharing life with others is a major part of how you'll be ministered to and grow up 
in, in that season. Another one of our values, the second one is this, it's space to investigate. So here at OCC, uh, we want people to feel like they've got the ability to process the message of Jesus and the Bible uh, at, at their own pace. Now, so we're not going to cram it down your throat. We, we want you to, to learn more. We want to invite you to be drawn in to know more. We want to help you get clarity on what it means to follow Christ. But it really is not uncommon for people to come around our church for months and even years before they decide to follow Christ. We don't want to coerce people. We don't want to try to twist and manipulate people. And only, Because only God can do the convincing. It's only God that can change a heart. But what we do is we aim to share Christ with people. We encourage all people to consider following Jesus as their Lord. Take a look at 1 Peter 3, verse 15. So Peter, he wrote this letter, and this is a, this is a verse from that letter. He said, as we share Christ, we need to be ready uh, to give a defense, to be ready to share what we, what we hope in, who we hope in. And so have the story of Jesus ready. Have that on the tip of your tongue. Have your own story of how you committed your life to Christ if you've done so. Have that ready. Uh, because people around you want to know what you're putting your hope in. So Peter, he's writing this letter in general to all the churches. This was a letter that was circulated from church to church. And as people received this, it was a reminder that there are people coming out of the world and they get close to Christians, they get close to churches who need to know what it means to really follow Christ. Meaning people need to know why Jesus came. They need to know what problem Jesus came to address. They, and this took time. And in the first century, there was so much persecution on Christians that it was imperative that people knew why they actually followed Jesus. Now, someone recently who had just recently committed their life to Christ, they said, hey, thanks for being patient with me. And I thought, well, that's because God is patient with all of us. He's patient with us. You know, he doesn't want any to perish. He wants everyone to come to a knowledge of his son and but it doesn't help to manipulate, to try to coerce, to put pressure on people to decide. So we give people space to investigate. So because of that, many people come around our church and they feel they feel uh, like they have they're able to take the time they need to get clarity. They can they can linger in groups. They can come around our service. They can even get to know people and even serve. And 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 we want people to to go at that pace that they're comfortable with. Now, there is a sense of urgency. The scripture actually does declare that people are to make decisions that, you know, the verses that say today is the day of salvation. Uh, you know, there's invitations where Jesus would say, hey, come and follow me. And, and people would come and, and choose right then and there. Or he would, he would draw a line. But God's job is to do the convincing. Our job is to share the message. And so that's, that's the point here on that value. Uh, the third value here is this. It's to team with us. Now, we talked about this last week, but I've been amazed at how we team together as a church, whether it's church planting, which we, we had a new church come out of our church last June. We sent out our first church planter, his family, and a team of families to move to Santa Clarita, start Valley Lights Church. Thrilling part of, of our ministry. But that took a lot of teaming and a commitment to team together. Uh, to release some people. That was a really hard thing for us to do, but we decided the value of teaming is really important. Uh, another thing is, you know, we've done sports camps to bless and be in, as an outreach into our community. That takes a team to pull that off. Sunday morning, everything we do, or even this online service, it takes a team to pull all of these things off. 
our small groups. It takes a team of people to set up, to tear down, to clean dishes, to, to just divide up the responsibility of small groups. All of those things require teams of people. And so we hold up this value of team. It's not, church is not a, uh, you know, an individual sport. This is a gathering of people. Look again at the verse that I highlighted last week, Ephesians 4.16. Paul, Paul writes, From him, speaking of Christ, the whole body, the whole body of Christ, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. These are all the people making up the ligaments. Promotes the, the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So you get this idea of this living body made up of all these different people who are working together. And so we keep growing as there's more involvement. As more people team with us, we're able to reach out further. We're able to build people up more effectively. Uh, It's as we share the load because we learned long ago that if it was just up to our staff, our paid staff, we would have a very, very small, limited group that we could really care for. And so our role has been how do we invite more people and equip more people to join the team and to help us uh, equip the body for real growth. Uh, take a look at this video, a short video highlighting the teaming that just took place at our recent movie nights. And you can see all the people involved and then what God was able to do through that. You know what's really exciting about that is we, we have had, I think we've been able to identify around seven or eight families, individuals who've come to explore OCC on a Sunday morning after coming to that movie night. That it took you know, many, many tens of people, I think probably 50 plus people volunteering at each of those movie nights. And sometimes we get to these events and we, we face these unexpected challenges. They just, things come up like generators don't turn on and that, that's supposed to power the movie or popcorn machines go wonky and they won't pop the corner or screens that are supposed to, to, you know, be showing the movie. They, they, they blow holes in them. And so, uh, meanwhile, the crowd is forming for a movie night in the park. And every time, whenever these unexpected circumstances come up, every time God has come through. We've been doing this as a church for 14 years. And every single time we hit these points, we're like, God, we need your help. And we're, we're available as your team, but we start praying. God, would you come through? And he works through the team. Sometimes he puts an idea in someone's head. Sometimes things just come back on. Sometimes it's a number of people troubleshooting a problem and taping up a hole that has just burst on the screen. Whatever it is, what I love seeing is how even folks that are newer to OCC throw their hands in and say, hey, we're doing this together. Let's team together. And it's just a joy to see this happen with our, whether it's our Sunday morning or our larger events. The amount of volunteers and people playing an active role in this church is a major part of our culture. Here's the fourth value for OCC. It's the value of commitment to train. We have a commitment to to help people grow. And so we take the time to develop training programs so that our leaders and our members have a lifelong growth plan. You know, life is complex. There's a wide variety of areas that we got to get our minds around. Like, how do I relate to people? How do I, you know, I'm a good friend. How am I in the family life? How do I handle my job? And on and on and on. There's a wide variety of areas to get our mind around. And... God has so much to say about all of these different areas that we face in life. And so as a church, we try to offer trainings and seminars. We want to help people grow in wisdom. Wisdom is, is life, doing life God's way. And so our trainings help people grow in wisdom. Here's, here's how Paul, one leader, 
described the value of training to one of his his protégés. This is Timothy. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul describes training this way. For the training of the body has limited benefit. You know, we work out, we try to get strong. And there are benefits to exercise and working out. But Paul writes, for the training of the body has limited benefit. There's limitations. But godliness is beneficial in every way. So when you train in godliness, there is so much benefit. Here's what it says. Since... It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know, when you work out, there, there's there's benefits here on this earth. You, it's it's hard to keep up with it, but there is benefits for here. But when you train in godliness, there's benefits here and there for all eternity. And I see a lot of people spending so much time on the physical training and fitness, and then neglecting the spiritual training that is required for all sorts of areas of life. And then what falls apart? All sorts of areas in their life, and it's oftentimes it's to the it's because it has been a neglect to the spiritual component of training. So we're committed to training people here at OCC. The last value for us for us at OCC is guided by Scripture. There are all sorts of helpful sources for growth, but when it comes to the ultimate and the final authority, we actually look to the Bible to guide us. This. We hold this as the value that we want to build on. This is our foundation. We want to equip people here and to go here first. This is the source of truth. Uh, this is the final authority for us to build on. And so we don't, we don't set this aside and then and figure out, well, maybe there's some things we can, can just sort of patch together uh, to build and as one of our values. No, this is actually uh, where we want to draw from. So we're guided by Scripture. I want you to look at Second Timothy. Paul writing again to that leader he's developing named Timothy. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Paul writes to Timothy, "All Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed the Scripture out, and is profitable for teaching." Now look at all those things that Scripture helps with: teaching, rebuking. Sometimes we need a rebuke, and sometimes it's just through reading the Bible that God. He sort of he's, he rebukes us, he corrects us for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's profitable for all of these things: teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. Why? Well, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's a lot that we face in life, and, and the Scripture speaks to the issues of our life. Similarly, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve, the writer of Hebrews. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love this picture. The scripture is like a sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts through right to the core issues in our life. So we've looked at our five values at OCC. Life to life, space to investigate, team with us, commitment to train, and guided by scripture. And the big issue is, what does God think? You know, when you consider a church and being a part of a church and you're looking at and feeling the culture and sensing a culture, you, you need to be concerned about what does God actually think about those high values that they hold. Whether they write them on the wall or not, there is a set of culture that is lived out amongst a group of people. We should be very concerned with the question of what does God think about these values and so I want to encourage you to reflect on these, these five values. And will you consider 
as you're exploring your relationship to OCC, will you consider adding your life to help us build this type of culture through adopting these values? And here's some next steps. First is this, evaluate which of OCC's values I can move forward in. Maybe pick the starting point. What is, what is the starting point? Maybe top one or two values to take a step forward in. The second one would be this, to pray and invite someone else to experience these values. Remember, values are, are caught, not taught. And so we would encourage you to bring people around who might catch the values of the kingdom. So let's pray. Father, thank you for our church and just an opportunity to to share life with one another, to rally around uh, values of the kingdom. Father, it's, it's, it's a challenge, Lord, because of all of the ideas, philosophies, or culture, it's, it's a challenge to band around uh, biblical values. And so, Lord, we pray that as we set out to do so, that we would be faithful to you. Help us to hold up the right values. Help us to discard the wrong values. Sometimes, Lord, it's tempting to be drawn towards the wrong things in in our church. And, Father, please alert us to that when we do. Um, Just as Jesus rebuked that church, Lord, if you need to rebuke us, Lord, show us, show us, uh, you know, any, any ways that we are moving towards values of the world, values of this culture that would take us off course. And keep, Father, keep us grounded on on values that are pleasing to you and that line up with the truth that we find in your word. Thank you for this group of people, Lord. I know that there are some that are just part of our, our core, part of the, the engine of our church that help us grow and help us help people mature, help us reach out to our community. And so we thank you for this group that you have uh, brought around and that have, have rallied around these core values. But we also realize there are people that are just, just checking things out here. I pray, Father, that you'd work in their lives, that you'd, you'd, you would continue to do your work of, of convincing about uh, their need for you, and that you give courage, Lord, for people to, to step closer to our church and to be uh, willing to, to uh, get to know others and to begin to maybe even explore our live service. And so we, we just thank you for uh, the time that we've given uh, to look in the Bible together today. We pray you'd use it or to accomplish your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.